Hello, and welcome to HGTV Obsessed, your podcast for all things HGTV. Today, we are going virtual, people. That's right. We are talking all about virtual design, whether you are designing for someone that lives in another state or whether you are in another country. But before we get started, I want to encourage you all to take a second and hop over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a five-star rating and a review. It really helps people find us. It helps us know what you want to hear about and what you're HGTV obsessed with. Okay. I'm assuming you're back. Today, we have Paradise Power couple Sarah and Brian Baumler on to talk about their brand new season of Renovation Island and how they have managed to renovate an entire resort in the Bahamas despite the challenges with the location, the climate, and a little thing called a global pandemic. Don't know if you've heard of it. The show is so good. I'm beyond obsessed with it. I binge watched it all in one sitting. Then we have Carissa Thompson, well-known sportscaster, founder of an interior design service, House and Home, and co-host of the Calm Down podcast. And she's here to talk about the virtual design services her company offers and how to know if virtual design services are the right fit for you. If you're new here, I'm Marianne, executive producer and HGTV.com lifestyle expert. And I am so excited for you guys to listen to these conversations today. I find remote design so appropriate, not just because of the recent pandemic and the pivot to virtual options, but I feel like so many businesses in general are moving in a virtual direction altogether. And I think it's really interesting to listen to how this can benefit you as your design options expand beyond your location. So let's dive right in. We're talking to Sarah and Brian Baumler of Renovation Island, all about the second season of their show and the challenges of a global pandemic hitting six weeks after you open your brand new resort. I mean, if they can do it, they can do anything. Here's my conversation with the Baumlers. Sarah and Brian, welcome to HGTV Obsessed. We're so excited to have you guys here. Thank you for having us. For anyone, I I don't know how anyone listening who is as obsessed with HGTV as I am um, doesn't already know about this show, Renovation Island. It went completely viral. Everyone is obsessed with it. My own mother was like, are you talking to them? Can I go? She wants to go to the resort. Like she is so ready. So, but for anyone who hasn't watched Renovation Island, Can you tell us a little bit more about the show? Um, Well, you know what? The show really sort of has evolved. It is the story of what has happened for our family. We were vacationing with our family in the Bahamas with the kids. It was a last minute vacation before uh, they went back to school. And we were down traveling in the Bahamas. And as crazy as it sounds, we actually happened upon the hotel. We were exploring this tiny little island and all that it had in its glory. And um, we saw this little sign, this tiny wooden sign that had been painted and it just said for sale. And we were so excited. So we walked on the property and in minutes we both fell in love with it. And that was history. It started from there. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the story about a journey of a family with four children to get off 
just get off the treadmill, you know, dump the rat race, take a left when everyone says turn right and just uh, just see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it honestly sounds like a movie. Um, the idea of this this family and your kids, you know, leaving behind your home and your businesses in Canada and moving into this resort that, I mean, I think we can all be honest, had seen better days. I think that's so it's so inspiring to think about taking that leap. How did your kids react to the decision? Because I, I could see it going both ways, really. You know, taking your kids somewhere different, you know, pulling them out of school, putting them into a, a new local school, meeting, you know, meeting kids in a different country with a different culture and just exposing them to that has been, I think, really rewarding for them just to see, you know, we got down on the island the first day they looked down the beach and there were some other local kids playing. They were just like kids and they were, they were off and they made friends, they learned different things. And, and I think they realized, you know, things are a lot different on the island. We don't have all the same creature comforts. And I think they realized that as long as we're together, um, you know, we're, we're home. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, this episode is all about remote design, whether you are working with a client and designing for them remotely, or in your case, literally on a remote island, trying to oversee this massive renovation. The first season really focused on the renovation of the hotel and some of the unique challenges you guys were presented. I mean, I'm thinking like when you got the boxes of tile and they were all mismatched or the tabletops came and they were cracked, you know, you can't just run down to the hardware store. So what what were what was the most challenging part of the first season and then I want to get into the second season which I know had a whole different challenge. I think for me, from the design perspective, um, as you had mentioned, there are things that perhaps I started to take for granted, Um, just convenience and the ease of whether it be still ordering things online, but if something arrived or was delayed, or you had the ability, especially in the design world, to go and sit in a chair or touch the material it's made of and actually have that personal connection to the items. But when you're making decisions on a small remote island, and you know, by the time it gets shipped, perhaps on a truck to, you know, a a depot in Southern Florida, and then loaded on a boat, and then it takes months before it even arrives to you at some point, you know, you have, you're, you're past your return date, right? You're, you're three months in, you're hoping it survived on the front of this boat as waves come crashing over and that it looks as you had hoped on this tiny little computer screen with uh, spotty Wi-Fi at best. So I think logistics for me played such an important role and it was the biggest challenge that perhaps I didn't do enough due diligence beforehand, but just to understand really how things move on and off the island and, and what we were going to be presented with. Yeah. And I mean, Brian, yeah, I'm thinking about, you know, the time when all of the concrete was already hardened or you ran out of propane in the middle of the job. It, it gave me it gave me really a new perspective on how easy we have it, even in the toughest renovation. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think for us, uh, you know, as an experience, I think when we when we first suggested that we film this experience, the feedback was you're crazy. You know, nobody can relate to this. Um, And I said, well, it's pretty aspirational. And it would be tough to find somebody that hasn't at some point in their life 
you know, just thought, I just want to get out of my car and get off the highway, you know, get out of the rat race and move to a beautiful island and do this. And I think we were the sacrificial lambs to show people that um, there's a lot that can go wrong. I mean, the, the, the benefits outweigh the, you know, the risks and the challenges for sure. But there, I, I, I don't think I can even choose a single thing that was the most difficult because emotionally, mentally, financially, you know, not to mention sweating every day from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep, uh, you know, doing physical labor in a place that's hard to get materials and, um, and having your family there with you. Yeah. So 24 hours a day. that's also like, as a dad, you know, in the back of my head was, you know, is you know, I got to keep my family safe. I got to keep my family fed. I got to keep my family, you know, together. And at the same time, you know, build this place. And Sarah had the same concerns. So I think part of that was just the learning curve. And, and the, the benefit of it was the, the change in our perspective. Mm-hmm. If, if we went to the fridge one day and, and the kids said, well, we don't have any milk, um, you know, and the store up the road doesn't have any milk. Well, there's no milk on the island. There's not going to be any milk until next week. So, you know, you can you can complain about it all you want. You can be grumpy about it. You can kick rocks down the road all you want, <laughs> but that is not going to make the boat come any faster. So you learn to say, well, I'll just have a glass of water or a glass of orange juice and we'll move on. Let's go do the next thing. And that metaphorically speaking for everything, uh, you know, when the concrete was hard, it was like, well, well, if we can't find any, we'll do something else. And I think my overall stress level came down mm-hmm. because you start to realize that here we think we're in control of everything. You know, if we're out of milk, we go get some. If we're out of whatever, until something happens where we're out of control and then nobody knows how to react. So I think a, an experience like this really teaches you how to react when you realize you get to that point where you realize we're just along for the ride. Uh, and your reaction is the only thing that you can control. That's such a that's such a good point. I've never really thought about that way. It seems like it would be the most stressful situation, but when there's nothing you can do about it, you just kind of have to let it go. He was not this calm the first few months into the project. No, it definitely, it definitely breaks you <laughs> yeah. down. And, and yeah. it's funny, you know, I, I spent the better part of my twenties with a major anxiety disorder, and uh, this I would say was, you know, for anyone that experiences that. Uh, this was like the best exposure therapy in the world because it just gets to the point where you're like, I, I, I can't stress any more than I'm already stressing. So I might as well just not stress. You know, it, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a, there's a valuable lesson to be learned there. And that is what makes this such a unique show for HGTV. Everything at the end of every episode, usually everything's tied up in a neat little bow. Yes. The, the project is the finished. Reveal. Yeah, you get that reveal and it's like, whew, moving on to the next one. But with this, with Renovation Island, we're right there with you. Like we are experiencing the highs and the lows and the yeah. stress. And and then in this most recent season, the show covers the very raw and very real reality of the pandemic hitting about six weeks after the resort finally opened And, you know, you talked a little bit, Brian, about people, you know, about the concern about people not being able to relate to this project. But this is a situation that the whole world could relate to. So many people, so many businesses found themselves in this situation. So many people found, you know, themselves not sure of their of their future with their job. Um, What were your first thoughts like when the, the reality of the pandemic hit? I don't think I can repeat mine. 
We, uh, <laughs> when it got to the point where, you know, the U.S. and Canada started talking about restricting travel, um, we knew this was, you know, we knew something serious was going on. And, uh, you know, we kind of sat down at a meeting and said, we're, we're going to stay here on the island for now. Uh, we had to close the hotel down. All the guests left. And we just said, we're going to stay here and see what happens and, and just watch and, and see what happens with the world right now. And of course, we had just stocked the hotel for six months of operations full of guests. So we had lots of food. Uh, we had lots of like the bar was fully stocked. Uh, the, the, steak, the steaks were in the, mm-hmm. the freezer was full of steaks and, and the fridges were full of vegetables. And uh, we had plenty of toilet paper. So we didn't have to pay for that. Yeah. I think we felt for quite a few weeks that we were sort of in this limbo of, you know, trying to make sure that the needs were met, especially when we were starting the closing of the hotel and guests were leaving. We, you know, we're sort of going back and forth country to country, sort of saying, okay, the U.S. is doing this, Canada's doing this, Bahamas is doing this. Well, Bahamas shut down all travel. You couldn't travel between islands. No. Uh, There was no international arrivals. You could leave, but you couldn't go island to island. There was no boats coming in. So it was just this sort of, you wake up every morning and you're like, okay, we need to be on top of what's happening with every country. And then we need to kind of just assess our business and then assess our family. And a big part of that as well was looking at, you know, we have businesses back in Canada and and a lot of employees there making sure that, you know, things were in place so that everyone was safe and and still working where they could. Um, And in the Bahamas, we had, you know, we had just hired 60, 70 employees to run a hotel. And all of a sudden, you know, the hotel had been abandoned and closed for 12 years. So the economy on the Island had really, you know, hit the, hit the dirt. And there was so much excitement with all the staff that like, this is opening. The people are coming. It's amazing. The first group of people is here. And then it was like, everybody's leaving. And we, uh, you know, we need to lay off staff because from a business perspective, we had to explain to the staff, you know, we need to pull back we, we can keep everybody on payroll for two months and then we're done. You know, it's game over. Uh, or we, we pull back and we try and survive this so we can open when, when we're on the backside. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happened now. We've reopened. Uh, all the staff are back. You know, travel is coming back. The hotel is full of guests. People are loving it and returning. And, you know, so it's really positive and, and, Thank goodness. I know we're smiling a, now, but there's yeah. a, there's a good eight months of not a lot of smiling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the global pandemic six weeks after opening a hotel and, and investing your life savings in it is not, you know, that's, that's not in the business plan. <laughs> no, I'd say not. I would say um, that's no one's, no one's goal. And even with all of your experience, it's not something you could ever really prepare for, but, but what advice would you give maybe someone who who is wanting to open their own business for having a contingency plan for unexpected events, obstacles, these stressful moments that you guys have have dealt with on camera. I mean, that's that's the real reality is you can't hide. No. Maybe don't bring a camera crew. No. <laughs> we can, There's no we, hiding. You pretty much get to experience exactly what we do. And yeah. and that I mean that's the way we've been creating television for the past 10, 15 years is we just, we're those people that do these crazy things uh, that, that we just film and that there's the story. Um, I, I think our advice for other people getting into business now is, you know, we had built into our business plan. We had 12 months of operation without a single guest on site. You need to have contingencies, whether you're doing a renovation, opening a business, uh, you know, planning a trip, 
you need to have contingencies in time, in money. Yeah. Uh, you need to be prepared for the unexpected. And you can't just panic and run in circles and scream and throw your hands up and say, you know, the sky is falling when it happens. You know, I, I, I remember the day we sat down, we said, there's a global pandemic. We just opened the hotel. We have to refund hundreds of thousands of dollars in deposits. The people aren't coming. You know, we built it and they're not coming. Uh, so what do we do now? And it was, you know, putting that plan into place, that that emergency plan that says the business is a living, breathing thing that needs to be maintained, that needs to, uh, you know, there is a there's that contingency fund there that has to keep it alive. We can't just let the hotel go back to ruin. Um, and it, it's difficult. It's it's certainly not easy. It's it's looking into all the government programs that are available to, to assist you. Uh, it's looking to friends and family to assist you. But I think the biggest part is is also being prepared for failure. I think going into this, we said, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is we lose our life savings. We have no asset left. The, the bank takes the property back. Um, but our kids are still healthy. We're still healthy. I still have a few years in me. Sarah's got a few more years left in her. Um, we can pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and move forward. Getting into business, being an entrepreneur, doing anything like this, you learn the most from your failures. And, you know, we were prepared fully to fail and fall on our faces here and, and just. And we did a few times, let's be honest. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did. We had some major bumps along the way. Definitely. But, you know, you just persevere and you, you redirect your course and you continue to react and, um, you know, kind of keep your hands on the wheel and, yeah. and you get there. You just keep trying until you succeed. Well, and I think in this project, just to add, Brian said there that he, you know, in terms of redirecting your course, and I think we've learned, we've always had that in the back of our minds, but I think this project in particular was about how we can be fluid, how we can sort of change gears, adapt, whether it be to what material showed up on the island, what the weather brought us, whether it be hurricanes or not. Mm-hmm. We constantly were just adapting and moving forward. And I think I think we've taken that with us. And I think that's something that this project alone has really shown us the importance of sourcing. You may have a plan, but be prepared. You're going to have to be fluid with that plan. Yeah. You only, you only really lose when you quit or when you're dead, you know, it's, so, <laughs> there is always someone that has it worse than you. There's always someone that, that, you know, has it harder than you. There's always someone that's more successful than you. And, uh, you just have to keep going and yeah, not accept that you've failed yeah. really. Like we, we looked at options, you know, do we sell villas? Do we, do we turn this into a, a timeshare? Do we turn it into fractional ownership? Do we rent it out? Do we, you know, what do we do? Do we sell all the materials? Uh, do we, yeah. what do we do? We went through every scenario. We went through pandemic, everything. Yeah. Every single thing. And basically we, we just, we just hunkered down, took a seven month vacation <laughs> and, <laughs> and waited, uh, you know, waited for the right time to open back up, you know, starting to pay off. It's good. Yeah. Well, now that hopefully things, you know, are, are getting safer, things are opening back up, people are traveling again. Um, you know, what, what future plans do you have for the resort? I think for us, our plan for the hotel was always to sort of do this steady opening, meaning we weren't going to go in there and renovate the entire place. We wanted to go in and start and sort of see what our guests thought of the place. We fell in love with it. We loved everything about the island and this sort of experience we're hoping to achieve and open the eyes for our guests. 
But now that we actually have guests there, it's wonderful to start to see them enjoying it and to see what they've look what are they're looking for and asking. Yeah. And we've already started to add some different things. You'll see this season as as Mainly activities. Comes out. Activities and experiences are the big ones. Yeah. yeah. People come down to the islands. I mean, the villas, Sarah's done a beautiful job making the villas comfortable and beautiful. We've got 18 rooms, six villas right now. You know, the restaurant, the spa, the, the diving program. Um, all that kind of stuff. So we're adding activities and experiences and starting to add to the the amount of villas we have as well. And just organically growing and growing it. So yeah, when people return, there's always something fresh in there. Yeah. Well, how often do you get visitors who are fans of the show and of you both? Because I would think that's got to be part of the draw. I mean, people are obsessed with this show. (laughs) People really love seeing us go through misery. I know (laughs) people can, people can relate. Hopefully there's other couples out there that understand there's highs and lows for sure. And parents that, you know, have children that understand there are days that are not great for, for kids as well as for us. And we get on the show. We get a lot of guests that arrive that simply want that proximity to Florida. We're a 45 minute flight from Florida. We have our own uh, airport, a, a five minute golf cart ride from the hotel with customs on the island. So it's very easy to get into. Uh, it's it's a massive island. So there's so much nature to explore. We have the most blue holes of anywhere in the world. We've got mm-hmm. the third longest Great Barrier Reef of anywhere in the world. So the diving, there, there's so many beautiful things to see that the South Bite, uh, you know, dolphins and you name it, the wildlife is incredible. But a lot of people just want to go and experience, you know, five-star food and just relax on a beach, go for a, a, a half hour walk where you won't see another footprint in the sand. Mm. Um, we do get, you know, we do, we do get people that come over that have watched the show obviously and, and, and our fans and love to see it. And they, I think that was, that was a great part of doing this show. You know, when, again, when we first pitched it and people, you know, I was told, well, people may not watch, they can't relate and they, you know, it's not accessible. And I said, this is, you know, when we build our houses or we, we do, episodes on format shows for other homeowners, we don't encourage people just to show up for dinner. Uh, (laughs) But this, this, you can actually, Um, you can come and experience this for yourself. You can be part of the part of the show, so to speak. mm -hmm. I mean, if we're, if we happen to be filming when you're there, you can literally be part of the show. Um, But you can come and experience that for yourself. So it is really accessible. Um, Well, I think that's what we've enjoyed as well, because it has been home for three years for us and for the kids. And when we reopened the hotel after the pandemic, we are, of course, still living on site and guests would be there. And I think they were almost startled to see Ryan and myself and like, what are you guys doing here? We're like, we're working (laughs) right now. We're like, we don't have anywhere else to go. (laughs) (laughs) We're here. And I think it was an opportunity for them to sort of just chat. And it's also for us to relax and get to know people that want to come to the hotel. Like we love sharing experiences with like-minded travelers and there's nothing more than that we enjoy than sitting and sharing a, you know, a cold beverage by the ocean and just getting to know people. Like that's who Brian and I are. We're very relaxed and we're like, we just want to have a beer and shoot the shit. Let's be honest. So we love that. Like, I love seeing people walking the beach like we do in the mornings. Like yeah. that makes us feel like we've done something that people are enjoying. And they sure. realize it's not a set. You know, we, uh, when yes. we renovation Inc was, you know, us operating our business back at home in Canada and, um, you know, the house of Brian series, which, which is coming up, I think renovation Inc is, you know, us building our personal homes and renovation Island was us it's, it is what we're doing and what you see actually happens. So some people come and they're like, Oh, wow. It's, you know, you actually did do this. I'm like, well, 
yeah, I mean, that's the only There's you know, no curtain. There's yeah, no. No, you get you get to peek behind the curtain a little bit, but then you realize there there is no. It's not a curtain. Yeah, it's just life. Well, I'm so glad finally you're getting to um, experience a little bit of the fruit of your labors and that your your hard work is paying off. Well, I can't wait to watch more Renovation Island. Um, this season is already stressful and fun, and I just can't wait. I'm putting it on my list. I'm going to go visit as soon as we can get down there. Um, but before you guys go, for everyone that wants to follow along on all your adventures, where can we find you on social media? And where can we watch Renovation Island? Well, you can follow Sarah at Sarah Bumler. At Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, we're we're really covert here. Sarah Bomler, Brian Bomler. <laughs> yeah. Cyril Lamar is is also on uh, on social media, and uh, you know Renovation Island and Renovation Inc. and and the, the house series. Everything airs on HGTV uh, Sunday nights at eight seven Central right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think on Discovery Plus uh, and fifty one other countries around the world. So if you're traveling, you can you can keep up. There you go. Full stick of us. <laughs> and we and we just started filming. The next season of Renovation Island that uh, will be a little bit of you'll see a little bit of everything. Oh my gosh, you guys! I hope uh, I hope you are working in a rest, some beach time, some beers on the beach because you guys are definitely very busy. So I hope we'll have to have you back because I feel like we just scraped the surface. We should do the next podcast. I feel like we should do the next podcast on the beach deck next to drifts. Yes, please. Yes, yeah. Brad, we're yes. going to need to record this on location or I walk. Perfect. <laughs> Let's go. It's a deal. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks nice for having chatting us. with you. Marianne, producer Brad here. I have a question. What would your dream resort look like? Ooh. And what makes it relaxing? Okay, this is going to make me sound like a monster. And it's not true. I adore my children. I truly love traveling with my kids. It's the great joy of my life. But it's not relaxing to like try to track down where I can get Hugo a hot dog. You know? (laughs) No, I totally understand. The same question. Sans kids. Sans kids. Well, I'm such a beach person. Like if I truly want to relax, I just want to be somewhere very beautiful, staring at a beautiful, clear ocean. I want about six or seven books. I want delicious food. I want fancy cocktails with like lots of ingredients that I would never, you know, go to the effort to make for myself. Um, that's, that's what I would want out of a resort. I feel like, I feel like a lot of travel I would do. I want to be out and exploring and see the places, but if I'm going to a, a luxury resort, I honestly, I want to be somewhere where I never feel compelled to even leave the property. I just want to like soak it up. I'm just nodding my head to everything you said. Like, yes, yes. Check that box. Yeah. So no kids, someone bringing me, bringing me food, books to read, ocean to stare at. Complex cocktails. Yes, please. Complicated cocktails with multiple garnish, garnish, garnishes. Garnish eye. Garnish eye. I don't think that's right. And and then like I want really fancy sheets and like a just huge, comfortable bed. I, I don't need a lot, although that is a lot. I feel like I just listed a lot. It's kind of a lot, <laughs> but no, it's everything you said was makes perfect sense, especially relaxing with no kids. Totally tracking. Yeah. Well, when we take the podcast on location, 
to uh, Sir Lamar to interview Brian and Sarah for part two of the podcast. We will all just, uh, we'll, we'll build in a couple extra days just for relaxing. We could talk about caftans and resorts all day, but we have another interview and it is a great one. We're talking to designer and professional sports broadcaster, Carissa Thompson, and she is chatting with us all about her latest design venture, House and Home. She really walks us through her approach to offering virtual design services. So here's my chat with Carissa. Carissa, I'm so excited to have you on HGTV Obsessed. Welcome. Oh, well, I mean, the title is perfect because I'm HGTV Obsessed, so it works out well. Well, you're in the right place. Before <laughs> before we dive in, I just want to brag on you a little bit because oh. you're this boss, like professional sport broadcaster. You host the Fox NFL kickoff. You've covered everything from the Olympics to the World Cup. And that apparently is not enough for you because now you founded your own interior design business, House and Home. So I really want to dig into the design conversation. Obviously, we're here on HGTV, but I do just want to ask, like, do you have a favorite memory from all your years in sports entertainment? Because I am like not a sports girl. So I'm just I'm just fascinated by your career. Well, first of all, thank you for that incredible intro. Um, I The check's in the mail for that wonderful <laughs> um, resume booster. But I have to say, you know, it's so interesting because yesterday I was actually doing an interview down in Florida uh, with an individual. His name's Jason Pierre-Paul, a three-time Pro Bowler, two-time Super Bowl champion. He just won the Super Bowl um, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm not kidding you. We sat down to do the interview and there's always, and he's awesome. Um, great personality, been through a lot in his life. Um, so I was excited to tell his story for NFL films. And he asked me, Oh, what have you been doing down here the last couple of days? I was like, Oh, actually I was staging a house because I started an interior design company. He goes, no way. So do I. He goes, that's what? What, he goes, that's what I do in the off season. I'm not kidding. I said, you shut your mouth right now. I said, this is amazing because this guy is almost 300 pounds. He's six, five. He like full on grill, like all these like diamond necklaces that mine are fake. His are real. I'm like, you <laughs> are not the poster child for like renovations. Like you are supposed you tear it up on the football field and then you're picking out swatches in your off season for this couch. Him and I spent a much to the chagrin of our producer spent the entire interview, not talking about all of the hardships he's went through in his life, but talking about this renovation that he was doing on this house. It was awesome. And it was such an, a really, I don't know, like poetic moment for me to have my two worlds collide. But yeah, it was awesome um, to see his enthusiasm for something that clearly just even the idea of home renovations um, makes me excited. One of the many things that's so interesting about you and about your work is is you you show that like people really do contain so many layers like you're not just this you know in, incredibly talented sports broadcaster like you've got so much more going on which is a great segue to your interior design business so so we we have a good idea i mean i did some light internet stalking i have a good idea of how you got in how you got where you are in your in your sports broadcasting career, but when did you get your first taste of interior design? 
I, I've always loved to do it. I mean, from the time that I, you know, my first room, I remember I went to my parents were building their house. And when I was young, I was probably five. No, I would have been like seven when we moved into that house. And I remember we went to the architect's office and my parents were like, okay, which room do you want? Like you get first pick of whatever room you want. And I was like, I want that one because it has the bay windows. And my dad goes, you know what bay windows are? (laughs) And I was like, I think it's just always been something. I mean, I like grew up watching HGTV. It was very, it was either sports or home renovation. And then from the time I moved out in my first dormitory, I decorated that. I lost every deposit I've ever had on an apartment because I'm like, I'm painting the walls. I'm hammering nails. I didn't care if I lost that deposit because I wanted the space to feel like home. And, you know, I moved away from home when I was 18 years old. And now at 39, I never went back. Um, my parents are so happy about that. Um, (laughs) but you know, every place that I lived, I wanted it to feel, uh, just like that, just like home. So my, um, you know, my whole inception and motivation to start house and home was that not everyone could afford an interior designer. And I, I remember talking to a lot of people being like, ah, oh, it's so expensive and this, and I was like, but it doesn't have to be so, uh, very similar to like fashion for me, it's a lot of high lows, like, you know, buy the target thing, but then spend a lot, you know, a decent amount of money on that signature piece or that signature suit. So sort of that combination culminates with house and home. And I just, I just love making people happy and, and loving their space. Yeah. It's so important. I, um, it shouldn't surprise you was very similar growing up. Um, I, it was always really important to me to really love where I live. And in college, I mean, I was the girl at 19 who was like saving my bartending tips to go buy this vintage chair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody Amen, was like, sister. Well, I love the gay bartenders. That's the best gig in college. It was the smartest yes. gig. You got to drink and hang out with your friends and go home with some money. I, I, exactly. I feel you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a pretty good gig to be honest. Uh, I know. Um, yeah. One thing I really want to talk about today, because this episode is all about remote design, and we're actually talking to Sarah and Brian Baumler, and we're talking to them all about the challenges of of designing remotely in in that way. But you offer this service with House and Home, which is a virtual design service. And I think it's just such a great idea for, especially for people that are very overwhelmed by the idea of hiring a designer and maybe think that it's too expensive for them. Um, so what you do is whether it's a small room or an entire home, you can design a space without ever seeing it in person. So I would just love for you to talk a bit more about your virtual design offerings and how you tackle that problem. See sports. There you go. And it was the perfect use of the word, by the way. Um, Well, you know, the virtual aspect, my house and home wasn't originally intended um, to be a virtual design service, but then COVID happened. And I was like, you know what, this is actually an incredible opportunity for me to design people's homes, apartments, whatever, from a distance while they're sitting there, while all they have is time, and really sort of hone that aspect of it for a couple of reasons. A, my reach can be much broader, um, that I don't have to be there. It's also more affordable for them, which is why we have such a discounted service at House and Home, because it's a collaboration. The onus is then on the client to 
take the measurements, to take those pictures, to do some of the things that normally I would do from A to Z if I was on site on or on property. So it becomes a lot more collaborative, right? And then therefore we can offer the discounted services. But in addition, um, you know, it's it's technology, like what we're doing right now. And as we've seen through COVID, so many jobs have now been able to be removed from an office building and to be done from the comfort of your home. So, you know, with technology, with FaceTime, um, with all these incredible different, you know, technological advances that we have, I don't ever have to step foot in it. Now, of course, I would love to because, you know, I have this thing about once I see everything come together, I'm like, I want to stage it perfectly. And I'm like, okay, move that picture frame over there or put that plant, you know, like all the final details. But um, this is the most awesome way for me to have the greatest reach with also allowing people to afford the service because we're doing it together. Yeah, I am. That's the one thing that that would give me pause is the lack of control. I could just picture being on Zoom with someone and be like, okay, I'm going to need you to move that vase over. (laughs) like three more inches and turn it. Just, I mean, my poor husband has to deal with that every day. Oh, my, my husband's <laughs> given up. That's why he's in the other room. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. He's like, do your thing. <laughs> so, so how does someone know if they've never worked with a, an interior designer, period, how does someone know if virtual design is right for them? It's a great question. Um, you know, I think just like anything, um, if you've never been to a restaurant before, you look at the menu and you say, oh, those are items that I like, or, oh, that's in an area that I like to visit. And then you go to the restaurant and you hope it's an enjoyable experience. For us at House and Home, we say, hey, here's our menu. Here's some pictures of projects that we've done before. Uh, Allow them to vet out, see if it's something that's aligned um, with their taste or their desires, which is another unique thing about House and Home, honestly, is that we aren't just one kind of design. Um, you know, if you're modern or you're, you know, mid, mid-century modern or you're shabby chic or boho, whatever you are, we will adjust to to your desires um, and your wants. And we have a, a great number of designers that we like staff and we know like my taste might not be somebody else's. So we have a designer that would fit that. But um, bringing it back to the original question, that idea of, you take take a little bit of a leap of faith, um, but also we'll we'll give you enough information um, to ensure that this is something that you're comfortable with. Yes, I've learned over the years um, of working for HGTV that we, those of us that work in this space and work in this industry, I think we take for granted that most people have like a baseline knowledge of interior design, and the reality is most people have. I have almost no knowledge. So if you're rattling off, you know, mid-century modern or boho or or even the names of of colors, there's just like a blank. So I think that that makes a lot of sense that people really need that visual. Yeah, I always say I I don't know how to cook. It's never been something I'm interested in. So when someone says to I don't know, like a shallot or something. I'm like, huh, I I have no idea what that means. Or you know, to mince something. I'm like, what? Like so you know. That's why, luckily, that's why we all have specialty traits is so that we're um, able to provide something or make up for, I don't want to refer to it as a deficiency, but maybe an area that someone's not an expert in, then we can come in and assist them in that. 
Yeah. Well, no one can literally know everything unless you're Martha Stewart. But I guarantee <laughs> even Martha Stewart has something that she doesn't do. She probably has someone do her taxes. It's, it's, my, it's my bet. Like, I, I don't really I, do I math. I hope so. Yeah, I don't either. Forget that. I know, I know that, what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. But honestly, wouldn't it be amazing if Martha's like, no, actually. I do my taxes. Yeah, I she's very my, hands-on yeah. with everything. She is. she is. Oh, my gosh. So, Carissa... I wanted to give you a scenario that I feel like a lot of people have dealt with, especially in the past year and a half. You know, let's say someone is looking to overhaul a a room that was previously a guest room or some kind of multi-purpose room, and now it needs to be a guest room and a home office. Um, you know, where where should someone start if they want to pursue a virtual design service? Like you mentioned that some of the some of the work does fall on the shoulders of of the homeowner or of the people that own the space. So what like if I were doing this what would I need to have prepared? What do I need to bring to the table? Yeah, so you call me and you say I want to turn my guest room into a home office but I still want to have it function as a guest room when we need it. Well, to me the first thing that pops in my head is utilization of space, right? We a bed occupies the majority of the room in the space. So how can we get rid of the bed, but still keep it. My first thought goes to, okay, a Murphy bed or a bed that can be pulled down from the wall. Take this bed, take out, uh, away the real estate that it occupies in this bedroom. Because then also too, when you're on your Zoom calls or things like that, you're not having a bed in the background like I do right here. <laughs> um, so it looks like an office. And they, I did this actually in one of my rooms um, in my home where I wanted it to function as a um like a dressing room because I didn't, I had no closet space in my existing, um, bedroom. And so I took a Murphy bed, put it up against the, you know, uh, against the wall. And then I just built out cabinetry around it. So what I would do is that would be my first thing, bring in that style of bed. So you can, it can act as a guest room and then bring in your desk and set up the room as an office, but, Oh, whoops, there's a bed when you need it. So that's just the first thing for me. And and the challenge of that isn't really a challenge when you think about there's options to hide beds now. Yes, I know. That's so smart because a bed really does have a huge footprint. And there is something to be said for, you know, being being on a Zoom and, and like being super you know, professional. And then knowing that in the background, you're like, there, there's my bed. There's my I think that's there's so sleep. weird. And I'm not kidding. And I'm, and I'm okay with it right now. Cause I know we're not taking up the video of this, but I tell, I work on this show. I, I cannot tell you how many people I see do interviews. And I'm like, that's, it's almost like, Hey, there's the toilet in the background. That's where you go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh. That's where you sleep. Like, I, I think it's odd and I'm no offense. I also understand that not everyone can maybe position their, you know, their lighting or whatever to get rid of the bed, but at house and home, we can help you get that bed out of the background and give you a more professional look since so many offices will now remain at home. Yes. Well, and speaking of, you just transformed your garage into your office headquarters for house and home. So I have to ask, you know, is how hard is it to to start a design project where you're the client? It's a great question. Um, as I always say to our clients, measure twice and cut once. I 
I didn't take my own advice with some areas of, of the garage because I was just trusting and I should have, you know, this is a word of advice. Always walk the space with your contractor because again, you can hand them over plans and that is their recipe as I like to call it. You know, they go into the kitchen and they're reading off two cups of flowers, whatever. Well, maybe your version of two cups is not really what you wanted. You wanted two teaspoons and it's not translated the right way. So always walk the area with your contractor. And for house and home, for us, when it's virtual and we are doing something with design plans and it involves construction and renovation, it's so important for us to also be on the phone with the contractor because it's not the client's responsibility to remember to put that outlet in the cabinet for the printer or the coffee maker or those kinds of things. And then once that cabinet's installed, now we're like, oh, we needed the electrical there. So really walking the space ahead of time is very important. And those are some learns that I had, which again, every sort of uh, hurdle that I've encountered then becomes an opportunity for me with the client to have them avoid um, making some of the mistakes that I maybe will make or have made in the past. So yeah, the house and home headquarters was a really fun project because, um, you know, now it's just an extension of what is something I love, but also I can do it from home um, and just yeah. be a little bit removed from the house and not feel like I'm just working at my dining room table. Yes. It's so important to feel like you have your own, uh, your own space, especially mm-hmm. if you're trying to get your own business off the ground. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about design inspiration because mm-hmm. um, this is just always near and dear to my heart. You know, what resources do you gravitate towards for design inspo? Are you a Pinterest girl? Are you a magazine tear sheet kind of person? I'm an everything person. I'm a, this is my view right here. I'm a, my, the New York skyline then becomes my inspiration. Um, uh, at a restaurant, I mean, my phone is full of just random screenshots and pictures of everyday life is an inspiration for me. Um, I love the old school tear out pictures. I still put them in a scrapbook. Um, I do that because when I'm feeling stuck and each client is different, right? Each client's needs and wants is different. And so I'm like, Hmm, I'm kind of having a hard time with this. Then I'll go back to that, uh, and just sort of be fueled by the old school way of doing things. But yeah, you know, clients are super savvy now too. They'll come prepared and they'll have a Pinterest board or they'll have their inspo pictures. It's actually part of our service is that we want to ensure that we aren't wasting their time. So we actually have them come to us with at least five to seven inspirational pictures because it helps us do our job. Going back to the analogy about the hairdresser, you know, show me what you want to look like. Um, show me what you want your space to look like, your dream scenario, and then we can work backwards from that. So yeah, I find inspiration everywhere. Yeah. Pinterest is such a, it's such a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Because that's a black time, hole. Like, mm-hmm. yes. You ain't and, coming and you- out. And you want to, you want to be creative and original. And sometimes you get down like this, this black hole in Pinterest and you're like, there's nothing left that can be done. It's all been done. It's all right there. Um, So yeah, I always say it's a blessing, a blessing and a curse because sometimes it can just be a real time suck. Well, Carissa, on top of, let's see, your broadcasting and your design accomplishments, you also have your own podcast that you co-host with Erin Andrews. Mm-hmm. Um, it, everyone is called Calm Down with Erin and Carissa. <laughs> and I have really enjoyed listening to some. At first, I was like, no, they're both sportscasters. Like, and I don't, I don't know anything about sports. I've listened to some of the episodes. I love it. I love your friendship. Like, you guys are not afraid to really, you know, get 
personal, um, but you also have some really fun guests. So for anyone who hasn't listened, what is Calm Down with Aaron and Carissa about? Oh, you're sweet. Uh, thank you for asking. Yeah, Aaron and I um, wanted to start this podcast. Yes, we we happen to do the same job and have been friends because we met in the industry, but we really didn't want it to be a sports podcast. Um, you know, as the season starts for us, which we're predominantly football now, of course, there'll be stories from her traveling on the road and me in studio and, and we love the NFL. So that will naturally come into the conversation. So anyone that actually started listening and wanted to hear about sports, they're probably wildly disappointed. Cause they're like, <laughs> these two are talking about IVF. Um, but yeah, I mean, Aaron and I's, uh, professional careers have run very parallel, but so have our personal careers. Um, you know, I got married very early, but then I was single for a long time. And then we're both married now and, um, learning to cook. And there's a lot of different things that we're late to the game on because we put so much of our professional career ahead of our personal life. So it's really great to have a best friend that you can just talk to. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, there goes an hour, which we would have probably just done on the phone regardless. So anyone that, um, wants to have a self-deprecating, you know, unabashed conversation and it's very, uh, it'll go off the rails quickly. And all of a sudden you're like, you know, you'll feel dizzy listening to it because we cover a lot of different stuff. Um, but hopefully in the best, most authentic way. But yes, what I love about your podcast is it really just reminds me of sitting down with one of my best friends. Like it's just feels like this authentic conversation between friends, but you do have some fun guests. Um, so I do want to ask, what if you're, favorite guest been so far? I know it's hard to, it's like picking a favorite child. And what's like your pie in the sky dream guest? Because I'm just going to say again, once more for my vision board, minus, Do- minus Dolly Parton. <gasps> Dolly Parton? <laughs> that is working. my dream. That is my Amazing. dream. Amazing. <laughs> That's everyone's dream. As somebody who loves Steel Magnolias, Aaron and I both have an affinity for Dolly in that movie. She is I just... Have- Oh my God. No, look, I have steel. I have the antelope cake. Oh, come on. Right here. That's it's, amazing. Yeah. The, oh, it's wait, the armadillo. Oh, the armadillo. Yes. Yes. I got I you. I got you. Yeah. Magnolias. Yeah. The groomsman <laughs> cake, Jackson's groomsman cake. Yeah. That's so funny. What a great movie. That's timeless. Um, yeah. yeah. My dream guest. Oh gosh. Um, I'm so, I'm, I'm so business savvy, like I'm, I'm not business savvy. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really trying to get more in, um, in that business brain. I think I operate creatively, uh, hence design, but I'm very fascinated by the other side now as a business owner in this capacity to, you know, the branding, the marketing, like all of that side. So, you know, anyone from shark tank, anyone from, you know, uh, Whitney Hurd, who uh, created, started Bumble and has been incredibly successful with her IPO with that and to the tune of a billion dollars for the net worth of that company. It's just, I'm I'm just in awe that somebody can have an idea and it can grow into a, a worldwide phenomenon. And I just love that the story of that or how that comes to be. So, um, anybody in business and then what, some, you know, Kevin Hart was our first guest, which was I I know, mean, like a way to, way to start. Yeah. High. Yeah. Yeah. It was all, no, it was definitely not all downhill after that, but he was an awesome way to kick it off. He, you know, no really need to explain why he's so wonderful, but he's another perfect example of a guy that wears so many different hats and doesn't 
apologize for it. You know, I've interviewed someone like The Rock a, a lot of different times in my other job at Extra. And, you know, seeing individuals like that who you literally use up all 24 hours in a day, it's motivating and it's inspiring. And yes, of course, we all need a break here and there. As my dad likes to say, you got to recharge your battery, right? Your cell phone needs to be plugged into the wall every now and then. But I really admire people that use opportunities and make the most of it. So um, Heather McMahon's another awesome guest we have. Yeah. She's a comedian. She is so funny. Love her. I mean, she's just great. And she's got an incredibly successful podcast in her own right. And she's a perfect example of what Aaron and I love and gravitate towards, which is self-deprecating, fun people who don't take themselves too seriously, but also work hard. Oh, that episode was rowdy. That is a really <laughs> good one to check out if you want to check out Carissa's podcast. We I was did like, not say what was happening there because this is HGTV, but it was an it was an adult conversation. Yes, that's a good one to check out. Oh man, well, Carissa, this has just been delightful. I'm so, so excited to finally get to talk to you. Um, before you go, where can we find you on social media? Where can we learn about your virtual design services and? listen to your podcast. You're so sweet. Thank you. So houseandhome.design, um, it, you spell out the and, is our Instagram account. And then that's also our website. So houseandhome.design. And then I have uh, my my other um, Instagram account, just my name, Carissa J. Thompson. Very short uh, Instagram handle. I think I was like, I'm a hundred. So I was on Instagram when it first started. And I was like, I guess I'll just put my name. Like, oh my God. That's mine. Mine is my whole name. Okay, there we go. Okay. Marianne Canada. It's so many letters. It's exhausting. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so yeah, so that's where that is. But um, yes, please check us out. And then the Calm Down podcast. And we we air episodes every Thursday on iHeart. And uh, check us out. Thank you for the time. I so appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you come back again soon. Maybe anytime. Next time, maybe next time you can just, I don't know, explain like uh, soccer to me, for example. I don't understand any of it. <laughs> well, th- we'll start with it's a very simple lesson. In the States, it's called soccer. Everywhere else, it's called football. And it's not called grass. It's called the pitch. It's very confusing because there's also a pitch in baseball. We'll break it all down next time. I it's promise. Great. Can't <laughs> wait. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, can we just be honest? Like, I really want to go on Aaron and Carissa's podcast, Calm Down. But I have no idea what I would talk about. I just feel like they are like sports experts, like capital S, capital E sports experts. And I would be over here like, do you want to talk about the color of paint on my wall? <laughs> it's blue. So I think I know the answer to this, but are you into sports at all? I, well, I like the Olympics. You know, I enjoy the Olympics. I enjoy every every two years for a couple of weeks, like really getting immersed in these sports that I know very little about. Um, but no, I'm really not. I'm just not a sports person. I don't begrudge other people enjoying it. I'm not here to yuck anyone else's yum, but it's just it's just not in the, in the words of the great Tabitha Brown, it is not my ministry. <laughs> you know, you just got to go on the podcast and talk about how like gardening is a sport. Well, now, okay, I feel like you're trolling me, but that is, it takes athleticism. Gardening all day, you need to be like, you need to be in shape and you need to know things. No troll. (laughs) Like that's, that's a whole thing. Like you should just go on the podcast and talk about how gardening is a legit sport, how it's competitive. Like 
That's a whole podcast right there. Yeah. Gardening is my cardio. I feel like that t-shirt already exists somewhere or at least like a decorative mug or something. Oh, man. Well, we hope you all enjoyed this episode all about virtual design with our lovely guests, Sarah and Brian Baumler, and of course, Carissa Thompson. You can catch Renovation Island now streaming on Discovery Plus and on HGTV Sundays at 8 p.m. As usual, you can learn more about all of our guests by checking out our show notes at hgtv.com slash podcast. And you know, I'm going to, I know I said it at the top, but I'm going to say it again. If you love today's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review HGTV Obsessed. Don't forget to follow HGTV Obsessed wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And I will see you next Thursday. Bye.